It is Locked On Jazz for the 20th of October. Wow! What an opening night. The perfect script for the Utah Jazz. A bunch of tough decisions for Will Hardy in his opening night, and he makes them all. The key moments that spurred the blowout. Math was on our side. And Denver? Do you have a problem? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free on all podcasting apps. We are also available on YouTube. Wow, what a night. Please give us a five-star review. Also, feel free to drop in the comment section what you thought was the most awesome part of last night. That is my wide-open question for you. On YouTube today, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. And then please uh, hit the bell. So my voice is shot. The audio problems were yesterday. I think the audio is right today. Uh, I apologize yesterday. I'm not quite sure um, why it reset. And I have a speaker that I use to get my sound that comes in. So I don't have to wear headphones on all my calls. And for some reason, that was the mic that was picking up yesterday. Uh, Holly told me they got better as the show went on, which is like seriously one of the weirdest things ever. So I have no idea. I super apologize. Um, I really liked yesterday's show too, which is a huge bummer. So anyway, but what was better was the Jazz win last night and the way they played, because that is really the script by which um, the Jazz, you know, want to play. Will Hardy's talked about playing, and uh, that for them to win games, seven players in double figures, massive effort, stealing possessions. Uh, we'll get into it. They won the math game pretty dramatically last night. Uh, and, and, and doing it as a collective effort with depth. Uh, the Jazz have a bench advantage. They probably lack on the top end of, you know, star players, but they don't lack as you move down the lane <clears throat> line. Uh, they have a depth advantage. And that showed last night Denver's Bench might be particularly putrid, um, and so in some ways I think that could that could have an impact. But um, I would say that on the other end, um, I think that's going to be fairly universal for the Jazz almost every night. So that I mean that's the ball movement, speed, stealing possessions, effort, juice, and the fans loved it. And the fans loved it last night. I mean the energy in the building was incredible. You could feel it early. That the effort was there, and the crowd wanted to reward effort. Like last year, frankly, and I don't want to always be comparing, but last year that that almost became mocking at, at one point in time. That there were there was a moment in time where it felt as though um, if we got effort, fans got excited and almost mocked it a little bit. Uh, that was not the case last night. That was bona fide. Who you are? That's who Jared Vanderbilt is. Um, that's what makes. That's what keeps him in the league. This does go a little bit to kind of a conversation we've had over the years that you can get particularly guys who, if they don't play hard, they go home, play really, really hard. Um, and, you know, the Jazz last night did exactly that. Um, and they were, it, they were 
they were just terrific. There were a bunch of key moments where things had to go right to hold on, and they did. And frankly, that game wasn't close. Like, that's the other thing that I would point out, is that was not a close basketball game. Like, there, there was not a moment in time in which you actually thought the Jazz were going to lose other than the script that was the script that was playing out felt like the script that I think at least I would share that I I anticipated and still probably do <clears throat> for a good deal of games, which is the Jazz play really really hard. Um, at the end of one last night, the Jazz I think lead it by seven. They I didn't expect them ever to, to I didn't expect a twenty two point halftime lead, but then I did expect Denver to walk them down. The threes aren't getting off. The shots aren't falling at the same rate. And Denver walks them down, right? They get it to 14, then they get it to 12, and then the Jazz kind of actually handled it. And we'll dig in in a few minutes about kind of what happened there, and the Jazz stretch it back out, and it's like, woo! Like, and then we go to the fourth quarter, you have 14, like that's actually usually you win that game. Um, and then Denver walked it back down, right? They get inside double digits, single digits for the first time in the 10-minute mark. They get it to 8 at the 9.33 mark, and you're like, all right. Here, like this is kind of then Jokic MVP stuff, right? That's what you expect, and it didn't happen. Clarkson scores, I think, on four Jazz four straight points. Um, Conley, I think, hit a three maybe in there. That kind of is a backbreaker. That gets back to nine again when they kind of find a play with Aaron Gordon down low for back-to-back possessions, and they get it down to seven on a Jokic floater, and then all of a sudden Rudy Gay hits a massive shot, and Malik Beasley shimmies. Um, with 4.51 left, and the Jazz are up 13, it's kind of over. Like, and, and, and then they still make some more plays. So, you know, it, it, it kind of on a script sense, it was following the script that I think I anticipate we'll see this year, which is Jazz play super hard, then they just run out of high-level pieces late in the game, and the other guys' high-level pieces make plays, and, and games, hard, games get hard in the final five minutes. Well, last night it didn't happen. The Jazz closed, I think, on a 23-8 to run, which was really, really, really impressive. Um, and, and so this, that is this kind of a crazy script um, for the Jazz. It was Will Hardy's first night. Now, I'll go into the key moments, but I thought there was a surprisingly big amount of decisions that Will Hardy had to make on night one um, of, the, of his career. Um, first, I mean, just simply on the simplest sense is the idea that, you know, he just kind of let the starting lineup develop as the camp went on, and that this big lineup of Lowry Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, and Kelly Olynyk is is where he's decided to go with Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley. I, I mean, on the simplest terms, I don't think any of us anticipated that being the Jazz starting lineup when camp started. So you know, to kind of his his credit and his of his doing his thing and putting a stamp on this that that to me is kind of a big deal. That this is there wasn't you know I think it was kind of a it was a collective, but he didn't do that. He came in here, he looked what he believes in, and he, and he let this team kind of materialize as, as he wanted to, and, and in fact, it, it did. Um, and then, you know, as the night went on, there were just a bunch of really big um, substitution decisions, but there was also a game plan element last night. Like, he came with a very specific way to attack Denver last night, which was to get the ball into the middle of the floor, and they did it in a multitude of ways. They slipped some guard-guard pick-and-rolls. They got the ball in the middle. They penetrated in the middle. They brought it from we talked about. They bring a lot of wing guys around the middle. And they got, they got the ball into the middle in the paint coming from the top, 
forcing Denver to collapse down, and the Jazz got 22 three-point shots off in the first half of the game. That's game plan. And then part two of the game plan last night that was super impressive was Denver's inability to get threes. That, you know, while making Jokic work hard and bringing occasional doubles and making him do a bunch of different things, the Jazz were still able to have a huge shot distribution advantage, which we'll talk about in the math here in a few minutes. So the easy ones we'll get into are the ones that we can see where, you know, you're making, Will Hardy's making substitutions, and, and there were a bunch of really hard substitutions he had to make in this game as well. But I think, you know, there was a whole game plan to the way they brought it out. And, you know, the energy and the juice with 75 points in the first half was largely based on the fact that they had a way to exploit Denver's defense, and it worked. Which is kind of awesome. Um, the other thing I would tell you is I thought he answered a bunch of really big substitution things. Like, there were... There were hard decisions in that game last night. Now, they're not as abundantly, obviously hard because of the fact that we're not, we don't have like a script on, on what this team is. But if you kind of go through that game, first of all, when Jared Vanderbilt gets into foul trouble, you know, what, what's the plan here? Like, this was not what was scripted, and how, how are we dealing with this? Um, and he, he goes to Walker Kessler at the 921 mark of the third quarter when Vanderbilt within a span of 15 seconds, gets two fouls, and suddenly it's five fouls. And I thought that was, you could have decided you weren't putting Walker Kessler out there with Nikola Jokic. That would have seemed like a perfectly fair decision, uh, and and Kessler rewards him. He gets a steal and a layup right away, and then, um, you know, I think wins wins a jump ball, and and just kind of hangs in really, really, really well. Then Alinek gets in foul trouble. And, you know, he's got to make some decisions on that. Um, and Rudy Gay's out of the game, and Horton Tucker's in the game at that point, And he, he rolls there with just those are non, you know, those are decisions that have to be made off your script. Like, and as a first-night head coach, when everything's going on, and Mike Malone was super interesting about it before the game, just saying like, he remembers being a first-year head coach just trying to manage every dribble. I haven't seen that at all out of Will Hardy, um, which is really interesting. Then, in the fourth quarter, he rolls. First of all, he brings Kessler back in, in for Olenek, and it rewards him. But then, you know, some of the big moments are at the 542 mark. He goes to Rudy Gay when Vanderbilt fouls out, and Gay rewards him with a three right away. He has Malik Beasley now playing at the three, and Markin sliding down to play some center minutes with Vanderbilt having fouled out, which, you know, we haven't seen a lot of, so he shows the versatility of Markin. And then at 449 left, he brings Sexton in to close. And so the Jazz close with Conley, Beasley, Sexton, um, Markin, and Rudy Gay on the floor to close the game, which is just not two things. One, it's probably a lot of ways other than Rudy Gay, the lineup everybody thought he'd start with, but it, it, it showed an adaptability and, a, and kind of a on-the-fly moves in his first game as a head coach. So, you know, we're all watching Will probably more closely. I got asked by uh, Alex and Scott, like, how do you evaluate him after the first night? I said, well, if they lose, he's clearly terrible. Like, obviously we got but I just think it's interesting to kind of see what he's doing. Let's roll through what I thought were four key moments. Every night I'm going to give two stars as well. I'm, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I've only got one of my two stars chosen right now. 
I'm not entirely sure what I want to do for our second star. Um, I, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling a bit flustered on, uh, on what the right answer is on that. Today's show is brought to you by some friends of mine over at Summit Cap. Um, friends of mine, because, you know, not like in a personal sense, but in a business sense, um, Summit Cap was Summit Capital is one of the groups that invested in Lockdown um, early on. Uh, David and uh, Matt and, and Jeff over there. Uh, Jeff was the one who really, you know, I think believed in Lockdown and then brought in the other two guys and, and you know, kind of shared with them the vision of what, of what we had going on. And, and then they invested in us. But what I thought was super interesting is they didn't really know media. So it's pretty nerve-wracking. My partner actually was super nervous about bringing him in. And I was like, well, I want local investors. Uh, blah, blah. Um, and what ended up happening was that they were perfect. They never told us how to do things. They asked smart questions and they never gave us a false timeline. So they're neat people. It's Summit Capital. And what they're looking for right now is to provide capital for management seeking to buy out owners of businesses that they work in. So if you work for a company, the owners are maybe stagnant. You know, they've done their deal. They don't need to put in the pressure of trying to push the company to a new level. You buy them out using the capital provided by Summit Cap and you go business with Summit Cap and you break through and have massive success and do great things because you know how that business works and where you can take it. So if that's the case for you or you know someone's in that position, contact Matt. You can just text him at 801-796-2033 or you can email at LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com or go to SummitCapUtah.com. It's LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com or 801-796-2033 to reach Matt. It's Summit Capital. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline.net. Jazz were eight-point underdogs at home yesterday, by the way. You don't see that very often. I'll give Matt Moore of uh, Locked on Nuggets credit. He was like, I'm taking the Jazz. Eight-point dog on opening night, I'm taking the Jazz. Uh, tonight, Arizona and New Orleans play in the Amazon game, minus two and a half uh, for Arizona on that one. Uh, the Russell Wilson led. Bronc, uh, Jets, it's Russell, the Broncos versus, uh, versus Zach Wilson, the Wilson matchup this weekend. It's a pick 'em according to betonline.net. Um, Basketball tonight, Bucks start their season as a four-point underdog in Philadelphia, and the Clippers start their season at home against the Lakers as a five-and-a-half-point um, favorite uh, on betonline.net. All the fun stuff over at BetOnline, so make sure you jump aboard Um with the number one source for all your betting, football, and basketball season needs. Always bet online remains your source for sports wagering information, live betting up to the minutes. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Uh, I will be going right to my good friends over at Locked On Sports today um, to grab that. I strongly suggest it. But I also will tell you the show I've been talking about for a long time, Game to Game, actually debuted yesterday. What's CEO of the company now? Um, but it is out today with a massive edition, and I cannot wait. To listen to it because this is exactly why we built it for nights like this. Full night of NBA. No way you could keep track of everything, but you want to know what happened. Go to Locked On NBA and grab it. Um, or um, there's the little click thing you can do, but then you leave me. Don't do that. All right. Um, let's go to the key moments. So the offensive rebounding domination was certainly a key moment in this ballgame. Um, and that was led by Jared Vanderbilt. At halftime of this game, the Jazz were up 22 which is first stunning. And then the offensive rebounding, at that point, the Jazz had nine offensive rebounds, and they had 22 second-chance points. Jared Vanderbilt had 
five offensive rebounds. He had 12 rebounds overall in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. Go back to what I said a minute ago. We had nine offensive rebounds and 22 points. So we were averaging every offensive rebound that we got in the first half of the game. We got more than two points back. We actually, the number's two point, um, four points per possession off an offensive rebound. Simultaneously, there were 21 opportunities for Denver to have an offensive rebound, and they had three. Aaron Gordon had two of them. Nikola Jokic had one. The Jazz defensive rebounding, which Vanderbilt had seven and Walker Kessler had four, was just terrific in that first half as well. So that, to me, was kind of the first, the energy, the effort, the, the, the tenacity, the fight, those kind of things that we saw early in this game, to me, happened during the offensive rebounding stretch. The, the second biggest stretch of the game, to me, is the foul trouble. The, and, and, they, and the Jazz got derailed by it, but they didn't fall apart from it. So in the third quarter, Kelly Olynyk plays 50 seconds. And Jared Vanderbilt plays 239. Like, this is not the way this was designed to be um, for the Jazz is in that quarter. And Walker Kessler has to play 9 minutes and 21 seconds. He has 5 points, 2 rebounds, and we only get outscored by 2 points in that stretch. Rudy Gay comes in and plays 7.23. is terrific. We only get outscored by 3 points in that stretch. The, the point of this is, you know, Jokic takes over this game. He goes, from, he goes 5 for 7. He scores 11 points in that third quarter. This is the fight back from Denver. And they've got everything that they need, that they need, which is that they've got the Jazz into foul trouble. The Jazz now are into their bench against their starters, and they're making their run. And uh, the Jazz was stood it. And that's where Walker Kessler was, in, in my opinion, surprisingly good uh, on a rookie night against the, the best center in the league. The other one that was just hysterical was him after the game, which I actually had to cut him off in the interview because I didn't want him to be late um, coming into the game, into the uh, presser. But him just saying, like, I mean, I know it's a competition stuff, but, like, that's the MVP. That's Nikola Jokic. That's the guy I watch on television. And um, pretty hysterical uh, to hear him make those comments. And he, he is just so refreshing um, with his approach. The final 829 would be the third part of this game that jumped out to me. Um, and this is where I give out my first star of the game. And that's to Mike Conley. Um, Mike Conley in the final, he comes in, I think he played the final 734 of the game. He just brought a collective calmness to the team, or plus nine in, in Mike's final 734. This is where his, his value is just going to be, is, is just truly great. Like, it's going to be amazing to keep an eye on and watch. Um, he just calms everyone down. We were running a play up top with two guys in a pick. I'm going to go back and watch it tonight, today um, on the plane. And he, you know, he ran off the double. You're trying, if they go under, Mike's going to get his shot, which is that dribble to the right. We talked about it yesterday on the show through bad audio. I'm very upset about that. Um, and he hits that shot. And in, in, so he said, you know, so they've got to pop the second guy out to get to him or else Mike hit, gets that shot. And, and, and Mike just kind of conducted off this play time and time again. And the, maybe the most important one was the one where he didn't go around the pick. They, they guessed, Contavious Caldwell Pope guessed, and then Mike uh, made the cut straight. And it just, his, he just made a perfect read each and every time. And, you know, I talked to Colin Sexton's dad for a long time before the game or a decent amount of time before the game today. Uh, last night, and he just was talking about what Mike Conley does for Colin, 
and that it's the best thing that's ever happened to Colin Sexton is to have Mike Conley around. And the things he's he's learned more from Mike Conley in the opening training camp than he learned in his entire career, that he's never met a better model of who he could be like as a person. Um, and, you know, his dad was just so delightful. He's got a little gray Fu Manchu. He's just awesome, dude. I just, like, I was like, can we exchange numbers and, like, hang out? Like, we're probably the same age or, he, you know, something of the sort. So it was, like, seriously, he was just, like, he was a super nice guy and had great energy to him. Um, and I, I just fully, fully enjoyed uh, chatting with him. But it was really interesting how, I mean, he just was effusive. I mean, first of all, I loved it. Liked Utah. Loved the autumn colors. Enjoyed being out here. Was so totally surprised by it. Um, but then was just effusive about Mike Conley and what he does. And so Conley's value, and then, and then to have Sexton play off Conley late in the game and have those moments where uh, then Sexton makes a bunch of plays, and the story afterwards is that Mike's saying to him, like, you get a mismatch, go. And, you know, Colin was powerful, powerful late in the game uh, making this play. So my first star of the game, we're going to give up two stars for every game this year, goes to Mike for the way he closed the final um, his seventh, I think for him it was 7.34. He probably got, he got pulled with 56 seconds left. So it's really kind of the last eight minutes. He has five points. He has two rebounds. He has assists. He has a steal. He has a block. He only shoots one of three, but he was just in complete control um, of everything that went on in that period of time. Uh, and I just thought he was, he was wildly impressive. I, I, my second star, I, I think I'm going to have to go to Walker Kessler. I, I'm a little nervous that we just get the hype train going out of control. And I wasn't, but you, and, and it probably could go to Jared Vanderbilt for his work. But, you know, here's a fresh, here's a rookie um, who is, you know, a significant piece of that four first-round draft pick trade with Rudy Gobert, which has actually got the Jazz their fifth first-round pick. And Kessler um, handles playing Jokic in the key moments. He doesn't guard him the whole time. He guards Aaron Gordon for some of it. But he holds his own. There wasn't a mo- it was not a rookie moment for Walker Kessler in a game in which he got really thrust into things in which you said to yourself, like, oh, dear. Like, there wasn't the three quick fouls that he got the other night. There wasn't. So for 23 minutes, he's on the floor. He's the first Jazz player to ever have a double-double in his rookie in his debut. He's the first player in NBA history to ever have a double-double and hit 100% of his shots, uh, according to Ben Anderson, um, over at 1280 The Zone, or 97.5 The Zone, and KSL.com. Um, so he really... You know, I think Walker Kessler, I'm going to give my second star to tonight. I thought that was a huge... Um, performance. It was also insight interesting as we try to figure out who Will Hardy is on the math, and I'm still a believer in math. We changed head coaches, but my math belief didn't change. And we'll talk about how the math matters. Um, and the early indicator from last night is that the math is on our side again uh, with Will Hardy as the head coach. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Again, apologize for yesterday's audio issues. All indicators today. We're coming through the correct mic, and everything's working, so apologize for that. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, what a fun night. What a, The crowd was great. It was super great to call. There was one crescendo in the second quarter. I'm going to go back and listen to I'll re-listen to the broadcast. Um, we have a new producer named Jamil Hawkins out of Georgia. He's doing great work for us, so we're, we're going to take the broadcast to new heights this year. Great group of broadcast assistants as well. Um, there was one crescendo in the second quarter. I mean, just unexpected, right? You kind of go into games, and you know, and you think about, like, okay, we're going to have big moments here. But it's just... The place exploded in the second quarter with, and I think it was, I, I could, you could feel it bubbling and it was almost as though it was a delayed crescendo of like, is this really true? Is this really going on? And, and then it, and then it did happen. Uh, it was really pretty epic. Uh, the, 
the then, you know, and then the multitude of standing ovations for this team for their effort and energy, which, you know, I, is was pretty cool to see. And that's who these guys are going to be. Like I, I said at one point, boy, this is stunning. Not the effort, not the energy, not the tenacity. That's not stunning. That's what this group is. But the shot making, um, the extra possessions, um, those things that, that came with it uh, were. Uh, worth noting, by the way, that Rudy Gay was great last night. Like Rudy Gay, who is, seems to be, you know, the proverbial punching bag for most people on this show, um, on our comment sections when I reread them or in Twitter. And then frankly, you know, I probably have not been overwhelmingly in love with the way he's played either, um, frankly, because he has, other than his opening night last year, he has not been the player that the Jazz had hoped to get. Last night, he was. He was really terrific, and he moved the basketball, and he was engaged. Um, he took a contested three at 6'9", you're allowed to take. Like, part of the marketing and, and Gay will take some shots that maybe you don't take in a Linux because they're six, nine, seven feet, and so you can get that shooting window up and you take it. Like, that's actually probably the better shot um, that you can take at that moment. Uh, so he was, he was impressive. All right, let's look at the math. Uh, by the way, Locked on Sports Today is your second listen today. It's the 22-minute recap of all things sports available on YouTube. You can subscribe there. It's just, it's the ESPN.com front page of sports. It's the NPR up first of, polit- of, of news shows. Um, it's the old sports page in a podcast form. All right. First of all, Jazz offensive rating last night was a 123, which is incredible. The defensive rating was a 103, which is just great. League out. Jazz last year were number one in the NBA. Um, in um, Let's see. Do I have it here? Nope. Uh, the Jazz were number one in the NBA last year in offense. I think about a 113, 114. So if you're at 123, um, you're sure great. We shot lights out. We were the 96th percentile. And shooting, both teams turn the ball over way too much. Here are some of the numbers, though, where we really win the math game. Um, one is we recovered 42% of our own misses. Now, that's not a sustainable number, um, but that's pretty awesome. 42% of our own um, shots we recovered as offensive rebounds. Denver got a lot of shots at the rim last night. So Denver took um, 43% of their shots at the rim. Anything over 35 is elite. Um, the Jazz, as the season goes on, I think, you know, I think the, your optimum shot distribution in my mind is 35% of your shots at the rim, 20% of your shots in the mid-range, and 45% of your shots as threes. Um, we took 41% of our shots as threes last night. We took 32% of our shots at the rim, and we took 27% of our shots in the mid-range. Seems a little high. A lot of them are floaters. But Denver took 32% of their shots in the mid-range and only took 25% of their shots as threes. And only got off six corner threes in the whole game. Now, they did not make their above-the-break threes last night. They were 3 of 16. We were 10 of 29. Um, we got nine corner threes was that offensive game plan of getting the ball in the middle of the floor and, and kicking it out. Um, our half-court offense was uh, delightfully good last night. Um, largely because of our incredible offensive rebounding rate. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, but just on pure half-court, we were actually well above average uh, as well. So the math advantage, you know, we stole possessions with our offensive rebounding, and then we just took better shots than they did, right? Um, even though they took a ton at the rim, we end up taking 59 shots that are either threes or at the rim, and they end up taking 53 shots that are either um, at the rim or threes, and their shot distribution with 31 of them at the rim was probably pretty good. Um, we also had nine shooting fouls drawn at the rim last night, uh, which is a lot. So I think you have to you know, give our guys even, even some more credit. Um, in that regard. The last one that was interesting is as much as it felt like we ran last night, statistically we did not. We were only in transition 9% of the time. Now, 
that might be because we were grabbing so many offensive rebounds and doing things like that. Um, or maybe it was because of, you know, we just didn't run off steals last night when we just didn't get out. So that one's worth keeping an eye on statistically, despite the fact that we're talking about pace and all these things. And everyone's going to talk about how fast we played. The numbers don't actually show us um, playing that fast. The last one that is worth mentioning is that Denver looked terrible. Um, and, you know, it, they're a work in progress when you have Jamal Murray, who has not played since April of 2021, and you have Michael Porter Jr., who's not played since, I think, November of 2021. Um, Jamal Murray just... Ugh. Now, he's only played, I think, 27 preseason minutes, and that's the first time he's played in the second half of the game all year. Um, but there, there was only one or two plays all night where he felt like Jamal Murray. Um, and maybe he didn't feel like it. And I thought Clay Thompson's comment on the back end of the TNT broadcast the other night about how uncomfortable he felt last year, now that was coming off two years, um, were interesting. So I think you have to let Denver kind of evolve a little bit. But they very quickly got back to last year where it was just Nikola Jokic carrying a bunch of, you know, a cadre of, of guys. Um, and then Michael Porter Jr., I thought, looked disturbingly stiff. Now, maybe he always does, and I don't watch him every day. I'm going to go listen to Matt Moore and... Um, and Adam Otteson, I'll put that one up there for you as well, um, unlocked on Nuggets to go see, you know, what they have to say about this game today when they get, when they get together. Um, it is interesting, though, I listened to Adam's Locked on Nuggets show two shows ago before their last preseason game, and they, they had real concerns about how poor the defense was and some things they were seeing in preseason. And, and you could tell that it was really bothering Adam, but it was preseason, and he wanted to kind of just say, well, ugh. I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, I don't want to get upset about it because it's only preseason, but it, it, it did feel as though there was something there. And then they just were not like, they didn't play with juice last night. It was pretty interesting. If you kind of go back to the Denver, Utah games, of the last five years, it was always Denver that was coming in like shorthanded and had the game where Con Carr beat us and they're missing these guys and they would outplay us and out effort us. And these great surprise wins and, um, you know, and then frankly in the bubble, they just wouldn't die when we needed them to. And last night, it was the Jazz that were the energy and effort and tenacity team. It was Denver that was kind of floating through the game, trying to feel where they were, kind of expecting their talent to kick in um, at some point in time. So, interesting contrast to that. All right, I'm going to rewatch the game with Ron on the plane, so I'll have some more thoughts tomorrow. From Minnesota, we'll do an Ask LOJ. We didn't do one last week, so I'll make sure we do one uh, this week. We'll do our first road broadcast. Uh, or That's actually not our first, but it feels like it's all in a way. What a fun night. Um, Totally honored to be back at the helm of another season of Jazz Basketball. I appreciate you guys listening. It is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day. Make Locked on Sports Today your second listen. Do check out Game to Game for me. Please let me know what you think about those shows. I mean, I, I did create both of them, so I like them. So I'd be curious if someone who wasn't maybe so in, interestingly invested in them actually liked them uh, as well. Have a wonderful day. It is your team every day.